You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and one, right back to Barkley in a huge hole. Saquon Barkley off to the races, and the home run hitter has gone deep here on the second play from scrimmage for the Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. Happy uh, happy podcast day. Happy March right. 1st. Happy spring. Happy March 1st. I love March. March means spring training. March means March Madness. March means we're almost done with winter. So, as we speak tonight with 49-mile-an-hour winds and a wind chill tomorrow morning of 5 degrees. Yeah. So, what was the thing, what was the thing they taught you in school? March goes – comes in like a lion and out like a lamb? I don't remember. I just know April showers bring me flowers. That's right. Um, but March, most importantly, means it is the first month with zero NFL football at all. No playoff football, no Pro Bowl, nothing. That is – pure off-season activity, and that is what we're in the middle of. Actually, there is FBS football going on. What? Which, yes, some of the uh, some of the conferences elected to play spring football when COVID was going down. Oh, so that's there is, right. Yes. Um, how much did I watch this past weekend? Approximately zero seconds. But if you are really jonesing for football really, really badly, check out, I think... ESPN two might be broadcasting some of the games. So if it's you know. not on the Ocho, ESPN yeah. So have have a have a party with that if you want. But uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, there is some football. Well, not the Grump. I am I am eyeball deep in um, in college film for draft prep. Some NFL film for free agency prep. I, I am getting bloodshot already. It's it's it's. Pretty early in the process, but well, you, you know, probably, you probably had seven beers also tonight. That probably explains <laughs> part of the bloodshot eyes. So let's let's not fool anybody. Look, that's not important. Um, <laughs> but what is important is there is some off-season news. It doesn't directly concern the Giants, but it does have an effect on it, and that is this morning, Monday morning, March first. J.J. Watt announced himself that he will be signing with the Arizona Cardinals. It is a two-year deal for $31 million, $23 million of which is guaranteed. Why is this important? Because he's a 3-4 defensive end. Why is that important? Because so is Leonard Williams, who is posturing for a new deal himself. Um, how much of an impact do you think this has on Leonard Williams' leverage? Well, I mean, it's something you could, his agent can definitely point to you and say, look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what do you think about those numbers for J.J. Watt? you think that high, low, what you expected? What it's, was your... it's what I would expect, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little bit of a hot take here. J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt has not been a dominant player, in my opinion, in several years. Um, he's got the name, and he is, at one time, was... A force that, uh, you know, I, I you could say at one point was the best defensive player in the league. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, w- without question. I, I think it's been several years. 
in my opinion, since that's been the case. I, I mean, he'll always be a guy that's going to require double teams, that's going to require some scheming. Um, but to me, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys like that in the league that require scheming around, and, and that's an important thing to have. But it's a lot of money. And, you know, a lot of that is due to his name um, and, and, you know, his past accomplishments. But if, if he was not J.J. Watt but had the same production in the last couple of years, I, I wonder if it's this much money. I do. And do you feel I, like, I could do you feel be like Arizona. Here. Arizona seems like one of those franchises that seems to – that would overspend a tad for a name. You know, I think they – you know, it – I don't think they necessarily sell out every single game every week. I think that, you know, it, it's kind of a crowded sports market where it's a lot of transient people live there. They're not unlike the Tampa Bay area where there's a lot of people from the Midwest retirees go there. And, you know, they're always trying to have their teams plant the flag. You know, like when the when the Cowboys or the Steelers come to town, it's half full with the opposing fans. So. That number, you know, might be a little inflated just by a sense of, you know, I need to get some name recognition also. It's possible. And, you know, what's interesting is that J.J. Watt was on the market for all of like 30 seconds yeah. because he was released. He was able to sign anywhere. Um, you know, there was a lot of speculation he would play with his, his brothers, um, you know, maybe back up in Green Bay where he went to school, um, where he would be playing for a contender with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, it was a pretty quick turnaround. He wound up in Arizona, which, which again, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wrong to say that Arizona can become a contender now. You know, you've got star power with Kyler Murray now in his third year, and this will um, be his, this will be his third year coming yeah. up. Yeah, I think they need, I, I, I think they may need to launch that coach personally. You know, you're not the only one to think that. Um, yeah, but, but you know, it, it's not a bad place for him to go. It just. It does seem a little bit high to me. Um, and, yeah, and... I mean, it, it's a tough division they're in. I mean, every team is, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. There's it, it, there's no weak link in in, in the division. You, you, you have to think San Francisco is going to bounce back. Seattle is always around. You know, obviously the Rams made a, a major trade. You know, to try to get to the next level. It's it's a good division. Yeah, I would agree, and and I think that. I mean, again, I could be wrong, and I might be slaughtered for saying that I, I don't think J.J. Watt is nearly as dominant as he used to be. I don't think he's the best defensive player in the league right now. Um, you know, even you know, even several years ago, the Giants are playing, he just never really seemed to be a major factor. You get, like, a sack. But, I mean, like, yes, he's a great player, but, like, for a dominant player... To get one sack is not something that I feel like he had a great game. He just had a J.J. Watt game. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Um, but this effect that it's going to have on Leonard Williams, I mean, do you think at some point, you know, if his agent comes to the Giants or, or anywhere on the market and just says, hey um, – you know, JJ Watt got this deal. What are we looking at here? Does does the team just go and go ahead and say like he's not JJ Watt, or or you know, are they not able to do that? You don't think? Well, first of all, can they tag him again? They can. He is currently. That's like a separate little conversation. He's trying to posture himself for the defensive end market as opposed to the defensive tackle one. 
Um, it's it's a bit ambiguous. It's a bit outdated the way the franchise tag is set up because I think that it's fair for him to say defensive end, but I think the defensive end tag includes a lot of edge rushers, which he is not. That ups his value to close to $20 million. The, the, the tag for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think... I think that you know if, if Gettleman looks at the, at the roster and the re- roster construction and how much more he feels needs to be built is that that determination how much they want to spend on one guy. I don't think it's a question of whether he's necessarily worth it or not. It's just how they want to allocate assets. Sure. Yeah. So I. I, I well, I mean, forget I the Giants know. for a moment. What about just in general, him around the league looking for this money? Someone will over always overspend if they, if somebody out there wants him, they will pay and they'll pay what it takes to get him. Do you think any team out there thinks that JJ Watt and Leonard Williams are the same caliber of player? I think the the plugged in intelligent NFL. I think I think the intelligent NFL fan knows that. I think the executives all know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you're like. If you're the casual Sunday watcher of football, you're like, oh, J.J. Watt is obviously better than Len Williams. But I think anybody who studies the game, especially those who do it for a living, know the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, his agent can just as easily bring up 2020 stats and be like, they're not even comparable. They're just straight up better. You know, he's got more tackles, double the amount of sacks. You know, the... Not just that. I mean, like, just the 2020 tape in general looks really good for Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think this. I think this sucks. I think giving JJ Watt this much money really does increase Leonard Williams' value on the market. Well, I mean, Leonard Williams is going to ask for the moon regardless. Of course, he's going to ask for it. But yeah, yeah, this opens I, I, up I, that market. Yeah, but I, I think it's going to be high anyway. I mean, does it? Raise it a little bit, but like I think that the amount of difference, the delta of that change, is not is irrelevant to the decision making. It's hmm. interesting. Um, what are the? How old is uh, Leonard Williams compared to JJ Watt? What are their ages? JJ Watt will be thirty two by the time the season starts. Actually, it'll be thirty two before the end of the month. And Leonard Williams will be twenty seven years old uh, by the time this next season starts. Well, that's not good for the Giants then, because he could say, "Look at this guy. Who? What is this?" What is J.J. Watt's legitimate shelf life of being elite versus a guy that's five years younger? That's uh, that will help Lenny Williams' case. Yeah, for that's sure. that's the definitely leverage in his favor. Um, yeah, you know we're gonna get into a lot more of this discussion uh, on next week's episode. We're gonna focus on the defensive line and some offensive line guys, um, so we can get into the specifics of. How the Giants can approach Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, all of those things, you know, versus the free agent market in general and, you know, draft replacements. But, you know, we highlighted two episodes ago um, that something has to be done on the defensive line because that was a huge strength for us last year. And now with both guys on the market, Williams and Tomlinson and Austin Johnson, it, it becomes a huge weakness if, if somebody is not replaced. Somewhere, somebody has to either come back or be replaced adequately. So mm-hmm. definitely a long conversation to be had next week with possible replacements, possible retentions, and possible, you know, whatever. It's pretty much the, the uh, straw that's going to stir the drink of what we do in the offseason, this position, more than anything else. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> 
I've, I've never heard that term before, the straw that stirs the drink, but... I oh, <laughs> I mean, uh, anybody listens to this show who is my age or so remembers that's what uh, Reggie Jackson called himself when he first came to the Yankees in 77, and it ruffled a lot of feathers with the Yankees. So they, they're the, the Thurman Munson type. You, know, you said he was the straw that stirs the drink, the drink so it's a... That's kind of a famous New York saying. Hmm. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in tomorrow for I, the I, Just Yankees yeah, podcast. Yeah, I, I do not like baseball me. much. So. Um, <clears throat> anyway, moving into – we're going to take a quick look at the running back position. Now, a lot of Giants fans might overlook the need for running back help here because such a high investment was placed into Saquon Barkley. Um but we're going to go over why they shouldn't. Um, I I 100% disagree with that. I think it's a position of very critical importance. Sure. For no, I would agree with you. Season. I mean, my biggest reasoning is that I think it is safe to say that I don't have 100% confidence in Saquon Barkley playing a full season because mm-hmm. he, quite frankly, hasn't yet. And, you know, you, you the, the thought of Saquon Barkley on paper is fantastic. But what has that done for us the last two years? Nothing. And we got lucky with with uh, Wayne Gallman playing as well as he did, but he wasn't O.J. Simpson. Let's be honest. He didn't, you know. <laughs> for for better for two, and for worse. He didn't, he didn't run for 2,000 yards. He didn't kill two people. So, but, <laughs> um, you know, it, it is an important topic, much more attention that we will give right now than probably most people will. Right. So just taking a quick look at what the Giants' current roster situation is at running back. Saquon Barkley is due $10 million against the cap. Uh, 2022, that's his fifth year. So they have to exercise his option, I think, before free agency starts. I'm not really sure what the deadline is with that. I have to assume that the Giants are going to exercise his fifth-year option. Um, But nevertheless, that's a decision that has to be made before the 2021 season. So uh, we're coming up... You can go ahead and put that one in pen, they will. Yeah. But, you know, this this idea that we have Saquon Barkley on a rookie contract, blah, 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 coming up on the end of that shit, you know, and the, the dividends have not paid off. But regardless, you know, that's a, a whole separate argument that could go on for days. Yeah, that was it. That was a uh, I was going to ask you that question. Do you think to date? Forget whether you they should have drafted Barkley as opposed to a quarterback just for, you know, where we drafted him and everything, really through no fault of his own, but still, the draft pick has been a bust to this point. Um, I, you know, I, I, I won't, I won't say it's been a bust. It's, it hasn't paid dividends yet. You know, losing a year oh. to a torn ACL is is a thing that could happen to any player at any time. I. I that's why I said that was not. It's not his fault. It's not a reflection yeah. of him. But for. What was invested? Yeah, no, I, I would and, agree. Yeah, you know, to this point, he has been a bust. I mean, just he, 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 been, just, he simply he's, hasn't paid the dividends. You know, what was invested in him has not come back out yet. Uh, and, and also, and one other thing with that too is not only did he's not been on the, on the field, I really believe that this offense was designed with him to be the featured person, and when he's gone, the adjustments had to be made on the fly. So that's an, another thing that's kind of a negative. Again, not his fault, but he kind of is in the, in the negative column of, has this pick been worth it? Right. And, you know, you don't even have to believe it. it Jordan Rainon has 
pretty much come right out and said it that they've they completely reshuffled the offense after his injury last year, which is part of why you know you you saw a pivot from the the outside stretch plays to the inside running. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of mixed techniques being taught to offensive linemen. The whole thing was jumbled because of his injury. Uh, you know, that said, it's not that he can't be the focal point of an offense. It's, oh, no, 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 of course not. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, you- it's important to know, though, that that in 2021, you know, the, the idea is he's on track to be healthy, ready to go. He will be the featured back next year. That, I don't think, is really... The, the issue at hand. I think the issue at hand is that, A, you know, last year, Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge brought in Deion Lewis before any injury. That was the start of the season. A third down back, somebody who can come in and give him a break that is reliable in pass coverage. Uh, sorry, uh, pass blocking, pass protection. Also can catch out of the backfield, can run, you know, can do all of the things necessary to be a back in any situation um, to give him a break. And, uh, you know, Dion Lewis is gone now. Okay, uh, they also had Wayne Gallman on the roster last year, who was able to step up and be a feature back. They uh, brought in uh, Devonte Freeman and Alfred Morris. You know, in addition, after the injury, um, there were a couple of there were a couple of scrappy guys that actually, you know, yeah, they overplayed their, you know, the expectation for them for sure. Yeah. All of that is out the window. Right now, the Giants have Saquon Barkley and somebody you've never heard of named Jordan Chun. And then if you want to count him, Elijah <laughs> Penny, who is kind of a fullback. We're not really going to cover fullbacks in this episode. I, I'm going to I'm gonna lump them in with tight ends for, for scheme reasons when we go over tight ends. But mm-hmm. um, Well, let, let's start. Let's talk really quickly about Barkley before we get into what we need to do going forward. So... Obviously, the two most important things that Barkley has to do in 2021 is, A, well, three things. One, prove that he's at least 90% of what he was last year from being a recovery standpoint. Second thing, stay healthy. And the third thing, the most important, the big thing is he has to be a much better uh, pass blocker. He needs to be able to pick up blitzes and stuff and be a willing person to do that. That's the biggest, you know... Other than being on the field, obviously, that's the, the part of the game he has to improve the most. Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. Uh, and you know what? I think that's something that Joe Judge is not going to tolerate mistakes. We didn't really get a chance to see that last year because midway through game two, Barkley is out of commission. Uh, we got no preseason whatsoever. Uh, so we didn't really get a chance to see if that was something that he worked on really well. You know, it, it didn't really get to... To show itself, so but you're you're right. You know, we as fans, you know, I would say even the coaching staff has has yet to see that he can do that. So, um, nevertheless, forget forget Barkley being held. There needs to be depth here, um, and I don't think it's absurd to say that you want to bring in somebody who is smart, been around in the league, knows how to pass protect. You know for sure that they can play in the NFL. You know, handle NFL blitzers, handle NFL offenses. You know, they they've been around a long time. I don't think it's absurd to say they bring in another veteran running back. Well, let, let's let's think about this for one second with Gallman. Gallman 
filled in admirably, right? Did a nice job. If you are a fan of any other team in the league, would you be excited if you brought Wayne Gallman in as your featured back? As a featured back? No. I don't yeah. think Wayne Gallman is a featured back anywhere. Okay. So having said that, what is his market value out there to be a non-featured back? I mean, what team is going to spend or break the bank to get him to be the second running back, the change of pace guy, the you know, the lightning to somebody's thunder? Well, I think, I think it's difficult to tell in this year uh, what anyone's going to get with anything because of the awkward cap situation. But I don't think it's absurd for him to get somewhere around two and a half million dollars, you know, somewhere in there. So where I'm going with this is that I would not necessarily shut the door on him coming back next year. Not I at mean, all. I, he's definitely we're, on we're, my list. You're talking about, you know, you wanted a guy, a veteran guy who's reliable, can pass block and do the things. I'm talking about a guy that I don't think is going to get, you know, the money that he might think he's going to get or some of like giant fans think he'd get on the open market. Guy already knows this offense, has played in it, started in it for mm-hmm. almost a whole season. Got plenty of I would, <laughs> I really think he'll be back. Yeah, I don't think that's absurd th- at all. You know, I think I think he'll test the market, but I think he's going to find he's not going to get what anywhere near either the money or the opportunity in this league that he thinks he might be able to get. And I think the Giants are a nice place for him to come back to. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. And I think that whatever veteran they signed, whether it is Wayne Gallman coming back or an outside guy, I think you're looking at a two-year contract. I think you're looking at, you know, Saquon Barkley is back for 2021 and 2022 if they're going to exercise his fifth-year option. And they're going to have to decide what they're going to do with Barkley at that point. They're not going to, I don't think, sign anyone beyond more than one year outside of Barkley because the whole... Magilla will change if they're not going to re- retain him. Sure. So I think that no matter whether it's Wayne Gallman, whether it's you know somebody else, we're looking at a two to three year deal maximum, nothing more. You know the way this league is now. You know, let's say you know for some reason Barkley doesn't come back in two years. You might see in two years a new offensive coordinator. You might see a new head coach, new GM in two years. Two years is. Getting to be an attorney now in the NFL. It, it actually really is. Um, I, I would agree with that. You hear some I mean, names and you're like, oh, man, I remember him. It's like, of course you remember him. He was drafted two years ago. I mean, let's talk about this. Like After 2022, that will be Judge's third year, right? After three years, it's like, you know, if this team's still piddling around at 6-10, and 7-9, fringy, maybe making the playoffs or not, the Heat will be on Joe Judge. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, you know – if, if, if they decide to go in a different direction, you know, if for whatever reason they don't re-sign Barkley to a long-term deal and he goes away, there'll be a lot, a lot of heat on Gettleman because this is his signature move. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, was a, it was a gutsy, ballsy decision to draft him, and if they can't sign him past his rookie deal, that's on him, and that might be – you know, that might be where he quote unquote retires or he just gets flushed and, you know, a new GM may want a whole new regime. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm going down the road and expecting gloom and doom for this. But, yeah, I wouldn't make any decisions post, you know, 
2022 at this point because I think we're going to know at that point, are we in the right direction or are we you know, back to square one again? Well, I, I, definitely we'd know that by then. I would say that, that the caveat there is that if he's not retained but the team is winning, I, I, Dave Gettleman is fine. Yeah, I, I think one – I think they're going to kind of go hand in hand. I don't think this team is all of a sudden going to be – Ten and six with no contribution from. Well, that's not what I'm saying, but I mean, they he may just play outside of what they're able to give him. But if if they're winning, they'll... if they're if they're winning, they will make it happen to keep him. There's Maybe. We'll, if we'll this see, team we'll if, if this team is a ten and six team and it's a division winner in 2020, uh, 2022, he'll be back. Yeah, I, I, this I mean, is the I Giants. Tend... Look, this isn't I, a team. This isn't a team that has no money. This isn't Jacksonville. It's scraping for cash. I mean, they'll make it happen. Look, I, I tend to agree with you, and I don't want to make this like a really, really long thing because it's it's so hypothetical yeah. right now. But you know, Dave Gettleman is a guy who is known for cutting the cord, um, even on young players. It was one of the reasons Josh Norman had big problems with it. There's a number of players that had problems with him. Um, you know, he he. I I agree with you. I think that if they're winning, they'll pony up the money and they'll get they'll get Saquon Barkley, you know, retained. He'll be a big reason for the for them winning, etc. But I wouldn't rule out the fact that Dave Gettleman no longer values, you know, running back, he might worry about the the tread on his tires, whatever injuries have accumulated, and just say, We can do cheaper here. You know, I, I wouldn't rule that out just because. Um mm-hmm. nevertheless, uh so so I, I think shutting the door on Wayne Gallman is a little, you know, premature. I think the, there's a chance he comes back, but I, I would um, put there's a, there's a money cap on that probably. But there are some other interesting prospects out on the free agent market. One just hit the market, and that's Duke Johnson. Um, Duke Johnson is one of the many uh, from Houston that are just you know, being thrown out to the to the curb for to, to the wolves. Really, uh, they just hemorrhage out all their players and start from scratch again. But he was somebody that I really liked coming out of college, and uh, I I felt was never really utilized right as as you might expect was drafted by Cleveland, um, but he's definitely someone that I could see as a third down back who can who can jump in there maybe take on all the reps if Barkley is not all the way healthy has not rehabbed all the way back yet or anything like that. He's somebody I would keep in mind. Now he was was making five million dollars beforehand. He's also twenty eight, which in running back years is a little long in the tooth, so I wouldn't expect him to hit that kind of money in the market, especially not this market. So there's a chance, there's an outside chance I'd say Duke Johnson is available for the Giants. Um, I would I wouldn't rule out some other guys like Lamar Miller. Is another one who's the the next three I'm going to mention are probably going to be pretty cheap. Lamar Miller is going to be pretty cheap. I think he's another one who can do what they want. Um. Corey Clement, you know, from the Eagles. It's amazing to me that he's 27 years old. I, I, I feel like he was drafted yesterday. Um, but Corey Clement's one that I think that they can bring in as a, a veteran back to help out the room, to help round out the room. And uh, Marlon Mack, uh, who is only 25, he might garner a little bit more money on the open market. He's done well in Indianapolis, but... Just somebody, just just some names I'm throwing around that I would keep an eye on. Giants being active and trying to obtain. Um, where do, where do you see a running back signing like in their priority list? And like, okay, uh, 
this is something they're going to be doing like on you know towards the end of free agency or like the things they're going to address I, I would think they would try to get the uh you know the big ticket items done first and then whatever money's left over worry about it well by t- big ticket items i think really what they're worried about is the defensive line. They've got to retain at least one guy there. And, you know, again, we'll get more detail about this next week, but I, I don't I it depends on how much money we're talking here. If it's if it's, you know, a million bucks, two million bucks, it's something that they can scratch out of the way and check off their, their checklist pretty quickly, pretty easily. Um, I think they'll do it. You know, they'll just they'll, if it's if it's a guy they like, a guy they want, I think they can just slam the file shut. You know, if it becomes one of those things where guys are testing, and this is going to be a weird year for this, but where guys are testing the market all over the place and you're not getting a straight answer from any agents, this one they can let linger for a little bit. But remember, there is nothing behind Barkley, so they're going to do something. Sometimes they will not oh, well, let oh, this get that. down to scraping the barrel. I don't. Think. Oh, I believe that completely. Um, but the, uh, my question is, you know, with the amount of money they have to spend, you know, when are they is it something like, okay, this is what we have left. This is what we're going to. You know, are we going to dumpster dive for somebody, or are they going to, you know, spend more earlier to get exactly who they want? Well, it's interesting that you say that because I think that they they are willing to dumpster dive um, because I think that there is when it comes to running backs, there's always somebody in the dumpster that was overlooked or was cast aside and didn't have enough film outside of whatever team he was on to get picked up, and they're just kicking around the streets. Um, or you know they're just on a practice squad somewhere. I think that there is some level of um, value in the dumpster for running backs. Uh, that said, the reason why I think they can do that is because I think they're also going to double dip and go into the draft. I don't think they're going to draft very high a running back, but I think that they're looking to have somebody in place in case Barkley is not retained. You know, again. That doesn't mean anything. Barkley could tear his ACL again, God forbid. Um, You know, there's no reason not to have a contingency plan here. And it doesn't have to be a day one, day two pick to to potentially replace him. It just has to be somebody that's young and can do it. He doesn't have to be the Barkley of the offense. He just has to be. Give me 3.5 yards of carry. Don't Mm -hmm. fumble. Mm -hmm. Be able to occasionally... you know, pick up a blitz and maybe once a game catch a ball for six yards. That's all. Yeah. And I'm going to, I watched like 25 different draft eligible running backs. Okay. I watched a bunch of film and I've narrowed it down to three guys on three different days, day, um, day grades for me. So I don't think the giants are going to spend a day one or day two pick on a running back, but these Uh are, there, there might be some day two talent that falls to day three, and if that's the case, you can take him. Um, and that day two talent to me is Oklahoma running back Ramondre Stevenson, six feet two twenty. I have no idea why people have this guy listed as a day three pick. He reminds me of Alfred Morris on his coming out party. Uh, he's very natural running back. Everything looks fluid and comfortable for him. Um, he blocks well. He catches well. He's very patient in setting up blocks, and he quickly turns on the speed when the hole opens up. He's got great vision in the backfield. He's somebody that I would check out if you're, you know, a loser like me. But also, just just <laughs> just a name to keep in mind, you know, as we get closer and closer to the draft. Um, um, I saw him 
in the uh, Cotton Bowl against Florida. Now, granted, Florida I didn't want to bring it up. Florida did not. I don't even treat that game as a game. I treat that game as a you know, a, a December scrimmage for both teams because Florida did not come, did not want to be there, didn't try or anything. Having said that, he was very impressive. That whole Oklahoma team was. They came ready to play. They came. They wanted to win that game, and you know they're still running right now. I think they now have four thousand yards of offense in that game, but. He had like 185 yards. He had a touchdown in that game, and he was very impressive. That whole team is, you know, they're the hip pick for next year. You know, if you don't want to, pick, if you're tired of picking a Bama and Clemson, uh, Oklahoma is one, and a lot of it because of you know that performance. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind having him for sure. Yeah, to me, he's a day two guy. I, I would say he is worth a, a third round pick, no matter what team you are. If he falls to the fourth round and the Giants are on the clock, I have. No issues whatsoever with them taking him. And the reason why is because I think he can be a feature back. Um, I know that they don't need a running back that badly. But once you get to day three, you're looking at value more so than anything. um, And not necessarily positional need. Because if you can get a guy, no matter the position, that can start on day three, then you take that guy. Yeah. Um, You may ruffle some feathers if you pick him in day two. But day three, I think it's kind of you just get the best you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just go, I, I go to your board and say, "Give me the best guy on my board." And it, people, it's it's something that, that fans don't understand because they think that a, a draft you're gonna get you're gonna fill Seven all starters. the holes. Yeah it, yeah, it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you'll get a starter in the later rounds. I'm not saying you can't. You're not getting seven Pro Bowl starters to fill every one of the holes that you have in one draft. Yeah, it's not the way that's it works. why you'll see. You, I did it last year with Carter Coughlin, and I did it the year before with Ryan Connolly. I said. This guy has a chance to start this year. That's an exception. That mean I'm exclaiming sure. that. I'm saying, holy shit, they found something here. I don't think anyone else was looking at. That is, and one of them is a fifth round pick. That's not even that low. That's considered a mid round pick, even if it is day three. So when I say things like that, I consider that to be exclamatory. That's a that's a good thing. Um, not not typical at all. Another one is Kansas running back Puka Williams. Puka Williams, to me, is an early day three pick, rounds four or five, I guess. Um, <clears throat> he's a little guy. He's he's 5'10". He's only 170 pounds. So that's that's a little bit of a problem for me. But um, this dude has track speed. I mean, straight up track speed. Uh, he also shows patience in setting up blocks, which is where that track speed comes in. Because anybody can run fast, but if you run fast too early or too late, it's useless. But he is very good at timing his uh, acceleration and uh, he's, he's very decisive in the backfield he has good cutting ability once he gets it to the open open field his movement and vision is is an extra plus an A plus plus I don't know um, he's got great ball security he has good sense for when to put two hands on the ball even when he's in the open field um, he's, he's very useful as a receiver out of the backfield um Despite his size, he really never goes down easy, but his size does hinder him a little bit of as a blocker. Not necessarily his height, but you know, he could you can see in his frame that he is just thin. He could stand to add some lower body strength that will help him out with the with blocking and stuff, but just somebody to keep in mind. And last is Marshall running back Brendan Knox. Six feet two twenty. I again I, I've seen so many people saying he's not worth a draft pick at all, that he's only worth it if you're interested in a goal line runner, and I could not disagree more. Uh, 
you know, a little bit limited in pass catching from what I've seen, but that's more based on what Marshall runs versus what he's capable of. Um, I think that if he shows it at a pro day or something, that'll be all the proof I need. I think he can catch. Um, from what I could see, he had good hands. Uh, this is a guy that I think you're really going to look at where they're going to they're going to dive for here is, is the the late day three guys. Um, he runs with such good burst and power, and he sheds tacklers with ease. These are the kind of things that like are the little things that make the difference between the college guys and the NFL guys. You watch him; he just looks like he doesn't belong when he's at Marshall. He's he's too good there. No fumbles, no ball security issues. Um, you know, he's not he doesn't have a top level gear, but he's solidly fast at any level, um, and he has really good vision. These are the three guys I would I would zero in on. If if it's me, they stand out among the other twenty five that I watch. So, some names to keep in mind. All right, we will we will see. Um, what do you think the odds of them actually drafting a running back would be, as opposed to a free agent? Uh, as in like a, a free agent veteran or an undrafted free agent being added? Uh, free. Okay, let's pick all three. Like, if you were going to say, how would you weight the the probability? We fill that second running back position with. Well, I think no matter what, they're going to get two guys. They might sign two veterans. They might sign a veteran and draft a guy. They might sign a veteran and and um, get an undrafted free agent guy. You know, maybe they'll draft two guys. I seriously doubt that. That one I think is at a one percent chance of them drafting two running backs or whatever, uh, undrafted free agent and a draft guy. But I think. I think it's a solid 50% chance that they, they sign one guy and they draft another. And I, I think maybe like a 30% chance that they sign a guy and then they sign an undrafted free agent. And then the remaining 20% is what, that they sign two guys? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a good chance. They have to attack this in more than one front, in my opinion. And there's no reason not to pick a running back. You know, oftentimes with those day three picks, you can get a solid starter Ahmad Bradshaw with a seventh round pick, and I'm not saying that because you know he's an exception to the rule. I think there are plenty of quality running backs on day three because you know being a quality running back might depend more on your offensive scheme and your offensive line than it is you individually. Um, you're not going to get a Saquon Barkley in on day three, but you know Alfred Morris was an undrafted free agent, wasn't he? I believe he was. Yeah, I mean there there are these guys that you can get late, so that I don't think well, there's was, any reason uh, not to get him. What was Terrell Davis? He was like a seventh round pick. Yeah, he was late. Did, was the draft structured differently then, though? I don't I think know. there was another round, maybe. Yeah, he but he was definitely a late a late guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of guys that can come late. So, flipping briefly over to the defensive side here. We're going to take a look at the inside linebackers. Now, currently, the Giants struck gold with Blake Martinez. He is signed through 2022. They also do have a potential out in his contract at the end of next year with only $2 million dead cap. By the way, I mean, I don't think we really need to get into how good he was last year. He was amazing. I would I would say the second most valuable player on the defense next to uh, James Bradbury. Yeah, I would say so. It's, it's, it's a toss-up between the three of them. Leonard well, Williams. Leonard Williams, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Next to him was kind of uh, a whole bunch of mishmash and, and trying things around. Uh, Tay Crowder seemed to be the one they wanted to give the job to. He looked pretty good, but still raw, still learning things. 
David Mayo is still on the roster. He does have a potential out this year, though. So he may not be on the roster. There's no dead cap if they cut him. Um, and then another draft pick, TJ Brunson. You know, I don't know that he got much outside of special team snaps. Maybe a snap here or two on defense. Uh, they, they signed Breland Speaks this offseason. Um, a castaway was one time a promising college prospect. Um, and somebody named uh, Kale Garrett. I don't know him. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. I, I don't know Kale Garrett at all. Um, he's making $660,000 a year, so he's not really somebody I think most people know about. Sure, he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, I'd, I'd take his autograph. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I don't think that this is a position that the Giants throw money at in the offseason to, to spend on uh, a guy. Do you feel that way at all? I do not. I think uh... – it falls in that we have greater needs to spend more money with in other mm-hmm. positions than this one. Yeah, and it's not to downplay the need here. I mean, I, I whatever. Tay Crowder, great story. I'm sure he's a great kid. I've heard only good things about him uh, on, on a personal level. He's showed promise. He's athletic. He's still learning the position, so the upside is huge. But if you have a chance to get somebody better, I, I don't think there's any chance that they pass that up. But I... I Throwing money at it, and it's so weird with with guys if if they're going to fit in, as a middle linebacker in a four three, or uh, as an inside linebacker in a three four, and how versatile are they? Um, so there's it limits what the the pool is. Uh, you know, I I just don't know. This is always a tricky spot for me is getting the scheme fit for these free agents. Mm-hmm. You know, college guys they're younger. They're usually not all the way filled out. They haven't been in the same system for a million years. I think they're a little bit more malleable in what you can do with them based on their athleticism. But these guys, you know, I don't know. Maybe Denzel Perryman is, is somebody they can look at. But I think they're just going to command too much money. Uh, and I think that it's more likely that they're going to attack this in the draft. Do you feel that way? Or do you think that they're just going to completely ignore this spot? Um. That might be to me a third day mm-hmm. investment, if anything, or if not, maybe an, a, a, an unsigned free agent or something, or an undrafted free agent. Maybe just bring someone in to take a look and see if they can compete for a roster spot. But again, I, I don't think there's that much. Uh, it, it's a question. There's other things that they need to spend more capital on than this than this spot. Sure. Yeah, I, I could see that. But um, if someone's on their board again, like we just said in the last segment, you know. If there's somebody they really like on their board in day three and he's available, they may jump on him. For, for sure, yeah. Um, there, there's a couple guys that I think are worth looking at. For starters, I'll say it like this. Uh, Tay Crowder played well, but inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez was clearly an issue. When Tay Crowder was down, it was so obvious that it was an issue. Um, you know, Crowder played well, but a lot of coverage things I think we could – a tribute to Patrick Graham having a really good game plan, you know, having a lot of help in the defensive backfield. They've done really well. Um, not so much the actual talent there. And having an upgrade next to Blake Martinez would be something to keep well, in mind. Here's something to you know, think about, you know, talking about Patrick Graham, great game plans and everything. It was his first year with the Giants. Maybe catching some coordinators a little bit off guard and especially and this is a year where you're trying to do 12 months of work 
kind of during the regular season. So next year, you know, there's going to be film on the Giants and what they did last year and their schemes. So it becomes a little less of, you know, out coaching somebody and more on the talent on the field. So that's something to think about, you know, for next year. If you see a little bit of a a possible step back on this defense, you know, unless the talent level increases that, you know, the coaching edge might be mitigated a little bit. Man, it's almost like you read my notes. Uh, it, that's a huge <laughs> thing there. I mean, we we know that we struggle with Patrick Graham. We know he's a good coach, but if if a lot of the Giants' success on defense last year was due strictly to scheme, this whole off season of watching that shit. I mean, especially division yeah. opponents. You know, where they have the time. They know they play us twice. It's important that they know what went wrong in those games. Um, and remember a step back. That's why, to me, I know I know Giants fans are saying they need playmakers on offense. They need offensive line help. They need all these guys. Whatever they need help on defense. One of the reasons why they needed such scheming is because they were talent devoid in some areas on defense. You know, they don't yeah. have a flashy edge rusher. They don't have a cornerback too. You know, we're not really. You know, they didn't have a safety next to Jabril Peppers for half. Let's be honest. Of the eleven starters on defense. How many of those guys are starting on any of the other three teams in the division? Half? Less? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean we're, we're a little hampered because Dallas's defense is atrocious. Um, but you know, Washington has a good defense, in my opinion. Right, that, that, that's my point. It's like is there are guys who are starting for the Giants that probably aren't starting in other teams, even in our division, much the rest, the rest of the league. But, you know, it was a little papered over by – Having you know an over and also I would say an overachieving scheme on the offense defense because remember when we were talking about Patrick Graham when he first got here was like oh him like how come Miami didn't retain him why 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 so it even you know the expectations overachieved what they did from a a schematic standpoint again but they're not going to sneak up on anybody next year. Yeah, and you know what? So th- this is a hundred percent my reasoning. You know that th- this wow, this this is perfect. We don't we don't plan these episodes, so when they when they uh, yeah, actually develop into this, yeah. Um, so I I agree completely. An influx of talent is needed on defense to help Patrick Graham out. He did what he could last year. There is going to be a whole year where people can review that film. The same old tricks are not going to work. He needs talent to work with. He's got some. He needs more, and. One of the things that I harped on with striking gold was versatility on defense. And that's why Xavier McKinney was perfect. A perfect safety fit because he could do some of everything. And that was going to be really important in Patrick Graham's defense. The same thing applies to inside linebacker. And that's why it is perfectly acceptable to say that with pick 11, the Giants will consider Micah Parsons from Penn State. I know that this is an inside linebacker thing that we're doing here, but it is impossible to only separate the inside linebacker part of Micah Parsons here. And it's impossible. It's it's not needed to separate because versatility is going to be so important on defense. Micah Parsons can play inside linebacker just as well as he can play outside linebacker. The fact that he can rush from the A-gaps all the way around to the edge makes him even more necessary. The, the, the kind of guy that this defense needs. Disguise is everything with Patrick Graham, and you can't disguise if guys can't do things. 
Parsons is an absolute fucking animal. And you don't even need me to say it because everyone else is saying it. 6'3", 245 pounds. He sat out last year and it doesn't even matter. He really is a game changer on defense. He's a natural football player. He is somebody who welcomes contact and he likes delivering the hits. He's smart. He's disciplined on the field. He's not all over the place and he has a nose for the football. He is absolutely in play at 11. Don't kid yourself about it. Yeah, I... To say he was out last year, if anybody's taking that as a negative, that's on you. I think uh, there were a lot of business decisions that had to be made, and a lot of you know, which may or may not be, you know, strictly business decisions. I'm some people legitimately were concerned about this virus and not playing, you know, and, and being risking, you know, potential health issues. So, you know, as long as he used that year to his advantage. As long as he wasn't sitting around eating bonbons all day, you know, if he was being serious and he was working out and he was preparing for, you know, at the time preparing for the combine, which kind of morphed into preparing for his pro days and just maintaining his strength and, and, and being serious and committed, which is not easy to do when you don't have, you know, someone yelling. And also the motivation of games to play. I mean, all of a sudden, if you're, if this is, you know, August of 2020, you're looking at six months at least before, you know, the combine and stuff. And that's not easy to have motivation. You know, it's hard to have motivation when you're doing spring football or summer OTAs when the season starts in September. So that would be a very interesting character test to see how these guys, you know, like uh, what Jamar Chase from uh, LSU and these guys who sat out, how did that how do they look in these in these uh, pro days? How do they uh, how do they spend their time? How dedicated to their craft were they? That's going to say a lot for uh, you know just as much as any interview that they would have or what their time in the forty would be. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, they're, they're different things entirely. Um, and you know, I would say even more so when you look at guys like Leonard Fournette, where they they kind of. They, they sat out halfway through the year, but they were phoning it in the half that they did play. is it, It's a completely different Yeah, thing. well, or uh, I would say, like, you know, the, well, not playing in the bowl game. You know, that's really, we're talking four weeks. You know, the, the, the meaningless bowl game, they don't matter at all. That's one thing. But these guys, you know, because of COVID, had the opportunity, and it was their right to. It wasn't like they were doing anything, you know, groundbreaking. They weren't landmark decisions by the NCAA. The NCAA said... You know, if you want to sit out, go ahead and sit out. You can have your eligibility back next year if you want to come back. So it was almost encouraged for these elite guys to do. So, but it's up to them, though. You know, getting that opportunity, what they make of that time. They sit around on their ass and play, you know, video games, or do they work to be ready? Right, and and here's what I will say: the the one thing that you do have to concern yourself with, with Micah Parsons is you don't have to worry about his work ethic in the film room or anything like that. Can, according to anything that I've read, he's he's an old school guy in the film room. He works very hard at his craft beyond the weightlifting and you know, the, you know the 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 between the whistles stuff. But uh, you know the the accusation that came out that he was named in a in some lawsuit against Penn State uh, by uh, Isaiah Humphreys, you know, detailed a fight that they had that was somewhat related to hazing or something like that. 
And I would look into that. It, it is going to be important how he um, interviews related to all that stuff. But to me right there, that in a bubble, what I read about that is not all that concerning. You know, hazing is unfortunately – and teasing of any nature is unfortunately part of – Boys will be boys. College. Yeah. yeah college As much as they are, life. you know, at least publicly trying to stop all that nonsense from happening, it happens. Uh, but, but, but I mean, we saw this in the Giants locker room in like 2011, didn't we? When Steve Weatherford uh, tweeted out a video on his phone of JPP dumping Prince of Mucamara into a garbage can full of ice water or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but the only thing I would say though – This happens at the NFL level as I mean well. it's something that's going to have to be kind of discussed and addressed with him and kind of vetted out. But the Giants right now, they – from a public relations standpoint and just – a business standpoint, they got to be careful. They've had a couple of black eyes in the last five or six years. With, uh, you know, you know, again, we've we've discussed ad nauseum all the issues that, that they've had in the last couple of years, and whether they individually don't add up, but collectively, they have to have. They need to get it right when it comes to character issues, no matter if they are. You know, proven or not proven, accusations or not, they have to be on the right side of these decisions going forward. Um, and that would be interesting to see when you have guys like this where, again, you know, this may be something, it may be nothing, but how does that affect their, their decision-making? Do they shy away because they just don't want to be involved in another scandal, whether it's right or wrong, proven or not, guilty or innocent? That's, uh, you know... That's something that's going to be weighing on their decision making. Absolutely, and um, it should be. Quite honestly, so, they need yeah. a. They so, need a, so, This team still. You know, we say they're rebuilding on the field. They are also rebuilding the giant brand too. You know that brand of ten, fifteen years ago that they were like you know the Steelers and the old school. school they do things the right way and they're loyal and blah 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 blah. That's not the Giants of 2021 right now. They are in need of a little bit of an image upgrade. You know, the saying how loyal they were. Well, they've had three coaches in five years. You know, they've had guys that have had domestic violence things and DUIs and and, and guns and stuff. So there's a little robberies. What's that? <laughs> robberies. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is you know, the perception versus reality for this team is something that it needs a lot of uh, adjusting as well as what the play on the field is too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two other guys I think names are, are that I think stick out a little bit is uh, North Carolina inside linebacker Chaz Surratt. Um, he he had an incredibly productive year. Um, he is high motor, attacks the ball. He's got good size and strength. Um, he is very raw. He will need time to develop. He has not been he's not played a whole lot uh, at linebacker in his life, um, but. Definitely a guy that I think probably is a day two talent that might fall to day three, and if so, a, another one you jump on. You you just you just jump on something like that. Um, and lastly, and this one I think is going to be a little bit unheard of for people. Um, Houston linebacker Grant Stewart. Uh, you you'd, every once in a while you watch guys and. You, you watch enough film and you start to go cross-eyed with guys kind of just playing their keys and being disciplined <laughs> and staying in. The, and then you see a guy like Grant Stewart who 
is a natural football player. And I think I already said this in this episode, but just somebody who is just somehow in every play, every single handoff, this guy's making the tackle somewhere. Even if it's a gang tackle, he's there. Um, this guy, even with the hair, he just brings back shades of Troy Palomalu. He is just running at 100 miles an hour at all times. And he's never overrunning anything. And that's the important thing. He looks smart while being explosive. Um, he's fast and athletic. He doesn't look lost in coverage. Um, and one of the most important things I see with linebackers, and you know, like I said, you watch guys and you watch them play their gaps and they're just kind of scraping along the top. They, they, they get hit with a block and it's like they're absorbing the blow. This guy delivers the blows. Always. He is going to be a late round guy. You know, small school. He's a little light. He's only 225 pounds. A little light. That's not, that's not crazy light, but um, he kind of almost falls into that strong safety Jabril Peppers kind of mold just because of his frame and, and his speed, quite frankly, but Definitely a guy to keep your eye on day three, in my opinion. A lot of things I've read about him is like, oh, special teams only, going to be late round pick. He'll have to fight for a roster spot. I, I, I think a guy like this works hard and finds his way into a roster spot, no problem. So uh, another name to think to think about for the Giants, Grant Stewart from Houston. Another Houston Heard guy. here probably first. <laughs> hmm. Okay. But... Yeah. That is the end of an exhausting <laughs> week of film watching, let me tell you. Yeah, old bloodshot eyes grump himself. Good work. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's good because I like, I like the way you're doing this because some shows you watch, they give you 13, you know, people to look at. And it's like, there's a good chance I'm never going to hear these 13 people ever again. What do I care? So it's good that you're kind of – cutting it down just to a couple of key guys to take a look at and everything. And I think that, uh, you know, quality over quantity. So good work by you. Thanks. I mean, like I said, I watched several, several guys. I don't want to waste the whole episode going over guys, what their pros are, what their cons are. You know, the giants have very specific needs and there's a lot of them. So, you know, they can't sit there and consider every guy at every position. I mean, there's just going to have to be some level of zeroing in on some guys, some guys to put stars next to their name because there's so many holes, they're going to have to just pass on some stuff, you know? Um, some stuff is going to have to fall. And to keep the that in rounds. mind, everybody, what he just said. There are a lot of holes to fill. I mean, it was exciting that we were in week 17 trying to play for a, pl- a playoff spot. This is not a playoff team, it's a team that was fighting for a playoff spot. And. We are still knee deep in a rebuild as much as we don't want to admit it. And we're, you know, so there are a lot of decisions that have to be made. And I know you want the flashy people and you expect to go 14 and two next year. It's not going to happen. They're trying to build this the right way for, to have a, a run of years to be competitive, not just, you know, loading up for one year. And that attempt was done and it's, kind of the reason why in 2021 we're still in the spot we are so so you heard it here first cranky fan says we're not going 14 and 2 next year what do you do if they do go 14 and 2 well first of all since i say we're not going 14 and 2 you also jump on your next flight to vegas and bet we go 14 and 2 because when the mush speaks the opposite happens <laughs> the, the mush delivers yeah, i deliver yeah i deliver pain <laughs> to everybody with my mouth um 
one thing you will know about the NFL, though, is that around this time every year, there's some team that was nobody's talking about. And then in, in January, when you're in the third week of the playoffs, that team is still hanging around. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be us, but would I be shocked to, to all ends if it was us? Nothing surprises me anymore. And with that, we will see you guys next week. We're going to go over the defensive line and some offensive line guys as well. I'm not sure how I want to break that down, if I want to do just defensive ends or I don't know. I got to look at it. We're changing things on the fly because of the Leonard Williams situation, et cetera. So right. Whatever. Be be excited because you don't know what's coming next week. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> but, <laughs> In the meantime, I, I did a lot of work watching a bunch of guys, so I'm going to have a little bit of breakdown stuff on my Twitter. So follow me there, at football underscore grump. Catch you as always at the Cranky Fan. You know, a lot going on. Talking about the Giants offseason. We have spring training starting. We have our over 500 fourth seed New York Knicks. How about that, everybody? That's been a lot of fun. We'll talk about that. Uh, everything else going on. My uh, Florida Gators about to play in the SEC tournament this weekend. So a lot to say. So follow me at the Cranky Fan. And as always, this episode, th- this podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever. It's it's everywhere. So <laughs> be sure to subscribe for free so that you get all these episodes first thing in the morning every Tuesday morning. And with that, we'll see you next week. Go Giants. Giants.